Welcome to the HML podcast. Um, it's good to have your energy with us today. Hey. Um, it seems like you've been making websites from an early age. Um, can you describe your first experience with HTML energy? Sure. I mean, for me, I have to, to answer that. I got to like think about what does HTML energy mean? And that's specifically what it means to me. Like HTML is like this open standard. It, it connects documents together with links and stuff. But um, it actually like, you know, like a byproduct of that or like the real great thing about that is that it connects people to information, people to other people, and also people to us as creators. Like we make these websites, we put them out there and people kind of like vibe with them or not. Um, so the way I tap into HTML energy, I guess, is making what I make. Like um, job wise, I used to be an illustrator then a designer, then an engineer. And now I kind of combine all that together to make tools that live on the web. I like being a tool maker, I guess. Um, and HTML is like an intrinsic part of that. It's the design and it's the engineering. Yeah, I've been admiring this new tool that you've been working on called uh, Canopio, mm-hmm. um, which I think I would describe it as like a mind mapping tool. Yeah, um, that's Yeah. How would you describe it and how did that idea come about? Sure. Yeah, it's hard to describe, but I think what I've kind of settled into thinking about is this idea of visual thinking, um, where other apps are more about like linear thinking, like fill up the form, like, um, you know, we want to do this by this day, X person is assigned to it. It's more about process. This is more about exploring ideas and coming up with like new solutions and innovation and stuff like that, both for yourself, like to handle breakups and whatever, but also potentially for, for bigger, you know, workplace type scenarios. I've been working in like larger companies for a while and smaller ones too, but like having that kind of contrast you sort of notice that like big companies have like an issue where um, it is all about the process. Like it kind of reduces people into cogs. Like the project manager says, jump, you say how high. And if there's like a bird in the way you jump into the bird because it's not, it's not what you've been told to do. Like it kind of makes us all, yeah, cogs in the system. Um, And there's a lot of creativity and freedom in smaller companies, but you know, they're smaller. And I thought maybe there was like a way to bridge these ideas and also like, I've noticed when I think through ideas, a lot of times for like mock-ups and stuff, but also I was more and more, I was just writing like text into sketch and like just moving text around. And like, this is a a thing that we as designers can do. And it's kind of a helpful way to think through not just like, you know, visual problems, but like how to design an API or like kind of complex structures, but normal people don't have access to. And so, yeah, I thought about kind of like, what is a way to bring this to people in a way that's like interesting and kind of doesn't require a lot of expertise to use. What's the like most interesting use case that you've seen uh, Canopio being um, implemented or used for? Hmm. Um, Yeah, the most interesting one was when somebody told me that they used it to like plan out their breakup and like having been there, done that. Like, I could see how that'd be a really useful tool. You anticipate, you know, like how this might go or like really try and decide, is this the right? Because it's like a, it's a, it's a big decision. Like you kind of feel away, but then also being able to write things down lets you understand why you feel certain ways. Um, So to me, like, that's like, that kind of personal problem is like the formula one 
of like software. And if it can be used for that kind of thing, then like menial things that are a lot more common are like, you know, like the Honda Civic of, of tasks, like they can just, it just kind of works from that. Yeah. What I like about it is you can use it and maybe this speaks to your answer, like as both like a private tool, but also like a public tool. Um, like you can use it for these Absolutely. like very personal, like mind mapping charts. Um, but also you can open that up to like other people, um, which is nice. Um, yeah. And like you have full control over that sort of thing. And what I, I used to work in the Trello office. Um, I was at a company called Fog Creek, which Trello kind of came out of. And back in the day, Trello's whole thing was like, we want to like get in from the bottom up as opposed to like we have all these salespeople that contact you know large people who like are like corporate buyers who never actually use the software um i like the old trello approach of like you like this thing so you buy it or you kind of share it with other people and once it hits a certain mass then maybe you consider buying it or whatever but like yeah yeah that's not a great answer but no i think yeah. i think that's really interesting because it seems like you're approaching like you're making a project management tool, but more for like um, personal, like relationship manage management or like life management instead of like businesses or business management. Yeah, I guess from a like, it's kind of like a little bit of both. Like I don't want to like replace or I'm not aiming to like replace any businessy tools, but for like the health of the tool, it needs to talk like the financial health of the tool it needs to talk to like the needs people have in the workplace, but also like, it's really important for me that it talk to the needs that real people have in their everyday lives. But I think both of those things can happen together, but it's, it's like a really kind of delicate line you thread. Cause you know, we're both familiar with software that prioritizes one over the other. And you know, most people only use three apps like Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, because, and that stuff is like very non-corporate. Um, I like how you, your ideas on like um, how software should be built and like spe more specifically how software companies should be um, organized. Um, could you kind of explain mm -hmm. those ideas a little bit? Sure, yeah. I mean, there are, they are very like malleable and flexible right now because like, I don't necessarily feel like I have the answer, but I do know that like the status quo in companies, like that idea of like, we have this hierarchy, it's very militaristic. Like we have the general, we have like the commanders and then we have like the peons that like march into battle and usually die and bleed. Like it, it doesn't work. It leads to thing and it leads to just shitty products. Um, I think there are companies that do things a lot better. Um, they generally tend to be smaller or you mean like Basecamp's pretty big. I think that's like a company that everybody kind of likes. It's important that experiments and ideas are like not seen as like a failure or a waste of time. And that like you give creators like a real space to try real things. Um, I mean, they're like constraints are good, but the constraints should be around like what kind of problems do we want to solve for people? Not necessarily like what are the, timelines that we have or you know like what specific technology we have to use for this um and i think yeah like generally those kind of high-minded principles like you see them a lot in companies when they're smaller then they kind of like strike gold and then they do kind of the opposite of what got them to that point which it's always seemed really kind of like strange and irrational to me 
So before Canopio, you worked at Glitch. Um, mm-hmm. Could you tell me a little bit about like how you tap into HTML energy when you're working with others as opposed to working um, by yourself on a project? So I think with Glitch, the ideal is that the working process inside the company, like with the at first two people, then five people. And, you know, when I left, it was like 50 to 40 people. Um, But like that process should reflect how we talk to the community and the type of community outside the company should match the kind of community inside the company. So it's a community of creators that can share ideas that like aren't afraid to try weird, zany experiments and stuff like that and kind of talk to each other to bring the best of that into the real product. Um, yeah, it's, it, I've always found it, I guess maybe because when I've done um, my most visible work, I've been my most constrained in the sense of like, I don't have time to write two documents or I don't have time to make, um, to propose two different processes. Ideally, I want to have one thing, share it publicly and, you know, people from the inside see that too. And we all kind of work the same way and there isn't like this kind of parallel stream of what we say on the outside versus what we do on the inside. If you were to bring back like one website from um, the dead, what website would you bring back? So like when I read this question, when you sent it to me earlier, like I got the sense you you meant like what website that other people have made, like, you know, part of like the foundations of the internet. But the site that I keep coming back to is actually one of my own sites. Um, it was called Frogfields and it's still available. It still like works. It's at frogfields.com, but it's in a very neutered state than what it was. Um, basically, it's a site I made when I first made moved to New York um, to work at Fog Creek, which eventually became Glitch. But like I was really inspired by a couple people who worked at Trello who made like these cool little apps for their friends, you know, like a little message board or like, yeah, like stuff like that, little t- like photo tools and little games. Um, and so I built my own. It, Frog Fields is basically you come to it, you see this kind of abstract feeling, um, something like I love cheeseburgers or I really wish... Um, Newtonian physics was cool to people like things that aren't really feelings but like that people kind of thought at one point and those those feelings were scraped from another friend's website um, so anyways they would present you with this little drawing tool uh, it was like a 20 by 20 grid or something like that with like five different colors where you could change the palette um, kind of like a really simple version of like the animal cross pixel editor and you draw things you'd submit them you could optionally like add your email to it And then at the end of the week, I would send everyone on the mailing list a list of all the cool pixel art that people drew. Um, And it was pretty fun. Like a lot of people really liked it and I liked curating and making the emails. But like over time, um, it just took a lot of energy to make a weekly email. If I was smarter, I would have kind of streamlined the process and the tooling. And then I hit like a year two, not a year 2000 bug, but like some sort of date change bug that really like it would require like a big rewrite or not a rewrite but like a big fix that I didn't feel like investigating and I just kind of like let it languish and it eventually kind of just died but I do occasionally miss that and so if you go to frogfields.net.com now uh, you'll see like a list of all like my favorite drawings I think I checked the database earlier today and there were like 1,800 drawings submitted and of those like 180 I really really liked um, fortunately I marked them in the database I had like this cool tool to do that um, and you kind of, you know, view like all the different things people drew and the feeling they drew them in response to. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do kind of miss that that community drawing RT vibe 
um, of Fraud Fields. I built it, it was like one of the first big glitch sites. I think for the first two years, it was the biggest site on glitch, like in terms of lines of code and all that, like files and complexity, talk to a database, talk to S3, talk to everything, um, have a scheduler. Um, and I used ideas from building Fraud Fields, like UI ideas and experience that I had into glitch itself. So it was a really cool, like building the tool and then building like a, a really kind of big expression of the tool and then having those two things kind of feed each other. Yeah, it also makes me wonder, I like your anecdote about um, like a bug almost changing the course of the website itself. Um, it makes me wonder what mm -hmm. other websites that's happened, like a bug has changed the course of a website. <laughs> yeah. Because it is, I mean, the easy thing to do is just shut it down. And I'm sure there's like lots of old, old school PHP websites or whatever that hit some bug. And we're just like, oh, screw it. I have like a real job now. I don't have time to work on this. But like, yeah, I, I like the idea of adapting it, making it like, like basically I turned it into a static website from something that was a lot more dynamic and had like user submittable data and stuff like that. Mm. So maybe you made it a bit more HTML energy. Definitely has a lot more HTML energy than used to. It has a bit of coffee script energy too, which is fun to, to reread. Oh, cool. Um, is that also the website that you could adventures. like text something to? Uh, no, the feelings website that I scraped was the one you could text things to. So we had, it was basically like an ecosystem of apps with my friends. Um, I found out that the site was down for a couple months today because that feelings website went down and the scraper would try and check it. And they would crash and it would just cascade down the whole app. So I basically removed the scraping check because I don't need it anymore. It's just a static website. And now it works again. But like, you know, like the great thing about, you know, like there's a downside to everything being so like tied together as an ecosystem. But it also represents like a time in my life where I was like super close to all, all the people that made these things. And, you know, like we were every week, like somebody would make a new app. So like it's a special time in my life, I guess I'd say. And it's. You know, the byproduct of that is that, you know, when one thing goes down, the whole thing goes down, but it's an easy fix. So if you could describe your energy in one word, um, what would it be? And I'm also curious if you have um, like a different word for your online presence as opposed to um, who you are like IRL. Oh, interesting. Um, I guess in my case, it wouldn't be too different, um, but the word I would choose... I don't know if this counts as one word, but wabi-sabi, um, basically the idea of like the pursuit of like, you know, like interestingness or beauty in like imbalance and perfection, like thing, like, I guess another word might be chaotic in the sense of like, um, it just feels chaotic when I make things or when I put things out. But um, I guess like to, there's this quote that I remember that might kind of speak to this where, um, it goes something like works, like someone who created a work is conceived with fire in the soul and executed with like precision in the hands. And like, that's kind of like the ideal, like if I had to really like, you know, like um, flex a bit, like that's how I'd want to describe myself. What's your favorite HTML element? Um, I feel like the go-to or like the most important HTML element is probably the link tag. Because it's like it com it combines everything. It's like what what HTML is based on. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw maybe a bit more of a curveball and say the paragraph tag, um, the humble, crappy paragraph tag that you put text on a page with. Because like, I think the most important part of a page, 
especially like your conventional kind of page that's not like an app is the writing it's the text and when i built like marketing pages or just pages like talking about like you know my favorite stuff or whatever back in the day um starting with the words like does it look good which is it compelling content with just like an h1 h2 and some p tags everywhere um if that's good add styling on top of that and you're like in a really great place but if your p tags suck then no amount of like html like our javascript css trickery is gonna get around that it's kind of like putting lipstick on a pig the pigs gotta be have really great p tags You just heard an interview with Purjan Kathaswaran, a designer and engineer. Purjan is currently working on building a creative thinking tool called Canopio. You can find it at www.kinopio.club. Mystery is a lot harder than beauty, I think. Like, we all as humans know this is beautiful, this is not beautiful, and we all have different tastes too. But like with mystery, I think we know when things look or feel mysterious, even if they like, even if I know when I click on someone's name, I'll go to their their personal page and it like all works predictably. But like when something has a feeling of mystery, like it's a lot harder to put your finger on than, than beauty. For me, it's like, what do I want people to feel when they're on this website? And that's like an expression of the writing for sure, but also like of, you know, like the, the illustration and whatever. Um, and I think a lot of websites are designed not with that as the primary kind of guiding star, like where if, you know, like if you were making, uh, I don't know, Slack.com, you don't really care what people feel. You just want to make them know that this is a professional, big tool that a lot of people rely on like GE uses Slack and so should you um, which is like kind of become more of like a like a what's the word status quo kind of thing um, yeah and I think if people approached approached kind of like even the design brief with feelings in mind we'd have we'd have mysterious products kind of as a byproduct of that but also definitely more interesting ones <laughs>